I will rejoice in the simple gospel. I will rejoice in you, Lord. Those are amazing words and they fit in so beautifully with what we want to talk about this morning. We've been going through Luke's gospel. We've been looking at how Jesus had chosen his disciples. We saw a couple of weeks ago that he had sent out 12 and uh, we saw that last week he had spoken to them, to three of them in particular, about his death and his resurrection. And just at the end of chapter 9, it, it tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. After he had spoken about his death, do you remember, up the mountain, he had spoken to uh, up the mountain, he had spoken to, uh, to two of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Moses, and they'd spoken of his decease. His going to the cross was very much on his mind. And as we come up to Easter time, and we know that in a couple of weeks we'll be celebrating Easter, maybe it's less than that, is it? Two weeks? Uh, at this time of the year, we remember that Jesus steadfastly, it tells us in this verse, that Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's like he was getting himself in position, focusing on what was to come and knowing the pain of it. He was getting ready to go to Jerusalem with one purpose in mind, and that was to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins, that we could be with him, that we could enjoy his kingdom, that we could that we could share eternal life with him and know the joy of actually uh, being part of his kingdom. This was the desire of his heart. This is why he had to steadfastly. You know, when something's worth doing, very often the enemy will come against you with all kinds of ways to knock you off. And if you've experienced that, then you need to know that there comes a life, a time in your life, just like Jesus, where you need to steadfastly set yourself, I am not going to let this rubbish knock me off course. I'm going to go for this. And, and in fact, I would go so far as to say that if you've been buffeted and knocked around by the enemy, it's a sure sign that God wants you to get ready and get focused. Get yourself in position like Jesus and steadfastly set yourself going towards what you know God is calling you to go towards. And so Jesus had set himself to go to Jerusalem. And now in chapter 10, we're going to read a few verses. We're going to see that he's calling out now 70 people. Let's just read these verses together. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then Jesus said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labourers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers or workers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if, this, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return it to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. 
for the labourer is worthy of his wages, and do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for Gomorrah. Did you notice that he sent out 70 this time? It's, it's almost like the first time he sent out 12 disciples, speaking of the 12 uh, tribes, if you like, the 12 tribes of Israel, almost like the first lot that went, went out were almost like he was sending out to Israel. But now he's gathered up 70 and he's sending out 70 people. And I believe the, the significance of this is that in the book of Genesis, particularly Genesis 10, the 70 sons of Noah are listed. And, and, and in Jewish thought, 70 was the number of nations. That was the Jewish mind was 70 nations was what completed the world. And when he sent out 70, it's almost like he was saying that he was sending out the, the disciples into all the nations of the world. And it's a wonderful picture as to where we're at today because we're called to go to the nations. We're not just called to, uh, to, to the land of Israel or to a little small portion of people around us. We are called to go to the nation and we're called to do just what he asked these guys to do, to go out and to bring in the harvest. Did you notice that? He sent them out and he said the harvest is indeed abundant. That's what the, the way the Amplified Version puts it. Uh, the New King James says, The harvest truly is great, but the workers or the labourers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. You know, I believe that we are coming to the end time harvest. And I believe that as never before, that God is calling his church to rise up to become that clean and spotless church we've been talking about this this last few weeks and it's time for the church to rise up and for laborers for workers for people who are prepared to work and to, to simply to be a laborer or a worker for the gospel means you're willing to put yourself out to go and tell others about jesus and we're going to look today at how god i believe is sending you out because the commission, the great commission at the end of the Gospels that Jesus gave was about going out, go you out. He commissioned us to go out into all the world and to preach the Gospel. And today we're going to look at three different ways that I believe this chapter 10 speaks about. First of all, going out to be sowers and reapers. Secondly, about going out to be neighbours like Christ. And thirdly, we're going to look at how God is sending us to be lovers of God, lovers of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about these three different ways that I believe God is sending us out in this particular age that we're living in. And I think this is so important. Jesus actually spoke about this in many different places. I wanted to read you a couple of verses from John chapter 4. Remember whenever he spoke to the woman at the well? after he had spoken to her and she had just taken off we talked about her a few weeks ago how she just took off she dropped the water pot she just had to go and tell because something had dropped from her head into her heart 
And she was passionate and she needed to go and tell people. And that's the passion that God wants us to have. That we can't hold back because we, we love him so much and we've experienced his forgiveness and his cleansing and his power. And we just have to tell. That's what God wants. He wants that spirit to be upon us. And in John, after the woman left, Jesus then spoke to his disciples. And here's what he said to them. Don't say there's still four months and then comes harvest. In other words, don't be saying, oh, well, maybe I'll do that next month or next year. Jesus tells his disciples, don't do that. Don't say there are still four months and then comes harvest. Behold, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are, they are already white for harvest. Don't put it off. Don't think, I'll do this maybe, maybe you know, whenever the summer comes or whenever next year. And if we start eagles again, maybe I'll start. No, it's for now. The fields are white. People are ready. They're ripe. People are ripe all around you, ripe for the picking, to bring, see them come into the kingdom. For, the, for, for Jesus said, the fields are already white for harvest. And he or she who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he or she who sows and he or she who reaps may rejoice together. So your part might be simply to sow the truth, to, to gossip the gospel. We were repenting in the prayer room this morning for times that we have gossiped in the past about nonsense, nonsense, but we're asking God to help us to be gossipers in a good sense, to gossip the gospel, to be talking about Jesus to other people around us. And, and, and we're, we're called to be people who will go out and sow into all the world. People, people who will speak and sow seed and people who will reap. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready to come out uh, about, about the reaping and about the sowing. And we talked a few weeks ago about how, uh, you know, sowing seed is like you need to sow and then there's a waiting period and then there's the reaping. And, you know, I was thinking about how whenever I was in my 20s, and at that stage I lived up in Enniskillen, and my father and a man called Sam Bammer, who is still alive, and another man called Beatty McFarland, who is also dead as well, gone on to heaven, and those three men decided that they were going to do a children's meeting out in the back of beyond, a place called Carn. And I remember as a young woman in my 20s, very often I would have driven the car for a load of kids. In fact, I think I did it quite regularly. We used to drive all around, the back of beyond, way in the hillbillies of Fermanagh, do forgive me, but away in the back of beyond. And I used to be driving around, picking up these kids. And in those days, you know, you'd have had your car full of kids. You know where nowadays you have to have so many. Like the car was bummed with kids. And, and we used to go around bring week after week after week. And they did a children's meeting in this wee hot place. And, you know, you'd have thought, at many a time you'd have thought, well, what's this about? Do you know what they were doing? They were sowing seed. And, you know, over the last few years, I have met more people who said to me, I used to go to that wee meeting up in Carn. Your family came, your father came, and Biddy McFarland, and they're in the kingdom. They're saved. And somebody else, maybe along the way, reaped the seed, reaped the good of that, and were able to lead them, get them the next step into the kingdom. But it's working together. And I know that many of you have sowed into lives. You've sowed seed. And maybe you, you know, you're not seeing any result. Don't give up. Because one will sow and another one will reap. And you might never hear about 
about the reaping. You might never hear the result of what you've sown. But keep sowing because God is responsible and we're responsible to get other, other workers out who are going to reap. And it's about, sow, it's about sowing and reaping for the kingdom. Sowing and reaping for the kingdom is so, so important. And Jesus is telling them to pray, therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers or workers into his harvest. I would love to really encourage you all, and I'm speaking to my own heart, to stir us up afresh that everywhere you go, everywhere you go, whatever you're doing across this world, you can be a sower, you can be a laborer, and you can reap. And do you know what? The harvest is right now. It's not next week or whatever. It's right now. Let's not miss the opportunities that God is giving to us. Now, uh, Jesus had said to go into every nation. And uh, this is the same harvest that he speaks to us about. The same commission. And Jesus wants us to do this. Now, one other little point I wanted to bring to you in this because um, it, did you notice that it said about going to the house of peace? Did you notice that? If you found a house of peace. Now, it's very interesting because this morning I just looked up to see what Joyce Meyer would say. And she talks, uh, I've got her Bible here and she has notes in her Bible. Many of you will know if you have a Joyce Meyer Bible, it's a good Bible to have. Amplified version, which I love. And she, she says here that on one occasion in her life, God kept bringing her to these particular verses about going to the house of peace and she wanted she couldn't understand why the lord was impressing this verse these verses on her and here's what she said lord i want she said she felt the lord said to her that he wanted her to minister with his power and anointing and here's what she thought he said to her joyce in order to do that you need to live in peace now, i thought that was a good word in order to minister in God's power and anointing, we need to live in peace. And here's what she says in her notes. Once you find a peaceful place, it can be your base of operations. And you can go out and come back, go out and come back. If it's not peaceful, you need to do whatever you can to gain and maintain a peaceful atmosphere. Because strife and confusion adversely affects the anointing and power of God that rests on your life. I think that is a strong word. And you know, a lot of the time we are living in confusion and strife instead of peace. Streets, peace needs to rule, not only in our hearts, but in our homes. And if there is strife going on, we need to ask God to help us and get help to bring peace into our homes and to bring peace into our hearts we need to be crowned with peace so that the anointing can go out in power and the enemy will go to any length to disturb your peace let me tell you he will go to any length how do i know that because i know he does it to me and he does it to you and the bible warns us and jesus is really warning them here of the importance of knowing this peace and of course if there's anyone here today and you don't know jesus as savior then you don't have that peace that we're talking about because salvation he came to die on the cross that we could have peace with god and peace peace in our own hearts peace out to other people but peace with god the cross is is both vertical and horizontal 
And if we accept Jesus as our Saviour and invite him to come in to be our Saviour and Lord, we know the peace that passes understanding because we have peace with God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and peace with others. And it brings everything into perspective. And so it's so important that we know the truth of this peace. Now, there's a joy in being a sower or a reaper. It mightn't be joyful at the beginning because sometimes we'll have to put ourselves out to actually get up and and sometimes we're afraid if we're honest sometimes we're afraid to actually go and talk to people about jesus would you agree with me sometimes the enemy says you needn't go to that person because they need the face of you you know or they'll not invite you back or you know you'll be you'll be an outcast all of this stuff and where does that come from that comes from the enemy because he doesn't want you to do it So it's not always easy to tell people about Jesus. It's not always easy to put yourself out and to be in a position where you're going to be a sower or a reaper. But when I tell you something, the joy that comes with it is unreal. And I love Psalm 126 because it says, He that goes forth bearing seed and weeping shall doubtless, I want you to get that, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So there's a real joy in being obedient and and, and telling others and sowing seeds of the gospel. The song we sang at the beginning was about this simple gospel and how we need to love it because it's seed, it's living seed. The word of God is living seed. You've got a bag full of seed that God's given to you. If you've trusted Jesus as your saviour, then the Holy Spirit's in you and you've been entrusted with the word of God. Jesus is the word, he is in you. You have a big bag of seed and you need to get it out there. And if you start sowing seed, then you'll find that if you're not reaping, others will be reaping and that this is the way God wants to work and he wants to work in all our lives like this. And there is a joy with it because when the 70 returned, did you notice? When the 70 returned, oh, I haven't read that bit yet. I better read it to you. Hang on a wee second. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's, let's read on down here to verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning, lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Did you notice? We, I, I said to you that there's joy. There's joy in, in sowing seed. There's joy in being obedient and dropping seed into lives. As God brings you a word that you just drop it in. That's like sowing in your garden. You drop the seed in. If you don't put the seed in, don't expect the flowers to come up. We've got daffodils and we've got a few bushes in the front of our garden and they're there because a few years ago Jane dropped the seeds in and she's just passing a remark last week at how they're growing. They're massive. If you don't drop the seeds in, don't look for anything to come up except for weeds and we'll get plenty of them. We don't need any more of them. So 
Did you notice that, that, yeah, we talked about the joy, but not only did I say there was joy in it, and not only is there joy in it because it tells us in Psalm 126, he that goes forth bearing seed and weeping shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Not only that, but Jesus himself was so full of joy because they'd been obedient, they'd gone out and they'd dropped the seed in, they'd been sowing and reaping, and when they came back to tell him all about it, He's saying to them, well, look, it's great that Satan's under your feet and all, but the most important thing is that your names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then he starts to, actually, in the Greek, it means he started to jump for joy. That's what the Greek rendering is. Uh, I think I've it written down here somewhere. Yeah, here we are. The Greek word suggests shouting and leaping with joy. And Jesus also expressed joy that God's revelation was given to the simple the simple gospel, and not to those, particularly the scribes, who considered themselves wise in religious matters. Don't you let the enemy tell you that you're too simple, that you don't know enough to drop seed. I'll tell you, it's the simple people. It's the people that are willing to say, Lord, you just whatever you say, I'll just do it. It's the simple people that don't complicate matters, that just believe there's life in in the Word of God because the Word of God is seed. It's living seed. And it's people who believe that the seed is full of life, that God's Word can change lives. That's all you need to know. And drop the seed in and leave God to do the rest. Don't be thinking of it being intellectual or being in some way some fancy preacher. It's It's about trusting the seed and dropping the seed in, and God will take care of the rest. And I love the fact that Jesus did a dance. I, just, I can just see him leaping. He's actually leaping about. He's so excited. And he's not so excited about the fact that they've got the real eyes, maybe for the first time, that the demons are under their feet. That's great. But that's not the important thing. It's about getting names into the Lamb's Book of Life. It's about seeing people taken out of one kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. That's what excited Jesus. That's what's important, getting names written into his book. And that's our business, ladies. That is what we have to be about. We've got to be sowers and we've got to be reapers. And he is so excited. And you know what? There's times whenever you do need to remind yourself that Satan is under your feet. There are times when you need to remind yourself. I think I told you the story a few weeks ago about how William had woken up one morning and just started to sing that song, Higher, Higher. Lift Jesus higher. And you know what? The night before I'd been battling was fear. And, and William wakens up and the first thing he starts singing is higher, higher. And so often he sings that song just whenever the enemy's coming to try and bring fear around me. And I need to keep reminding. And so do you. We lift him higher. Jesus is higher. And then the second verse of that that William went on to sing was lower, lower. Put Satan lower. He's under our feet, ladies. He's already been defeated. And Jesus said when he, was, when he was talking to these disciples, did you notice he said he saw Satan fall like lightning? What was he referring to? What was that all about? Some people think it might have been referring back to way back at the beginning of time, whenever in Re- referred to in Revelation 12 and 9, where it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 4 says, His tail drew a third of the stars. Stars is another word that's used very often for angels. And he threw them to the earth. We know there was a great overthrow way back in time. We know that Satan was kicked out of heaven. 
Was that what Jesus saw in, John, in Luke chapter 10, whenever he said he saw Satan coming down from like lightning from heaven? Was that what he was referring to? It could have been, but you know what? I think there was more to it than that. I think that whilst these guys were out being obedient, sowing seed, when they were out in the harvest field, the Lord could see in the spirit that the enemy was being cast down. As they were out being obedient in the harvest field, the enemy was falling. If we could keep that in our minds and realize he's under our feet, Jesus defeated him on the cross. And if we could remember the call on our lives. You see, I, 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 as I was thinking of this and thinking about Satan falling, I was reminded of an old hymn and I actually looked up to see who had written this hymn and the particular line that kept coming to me. I have it in your notes. David Cowper wrote, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. If you could realise in your weakness you are strong. In that prayer room this morning, together, we spoke it out together and we said, I am weak. It says, let the weak say, I am strong. And we recognise we were weak and we, we declared that over ourselves this morning in there. Let the weak say, I am strong. In, in our weakness, our, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so David Cowper was quite right when he wrote that, that Satan does tremble when he sees us on our knees. <coughs> Just after this, we're going to look on a little bit further and we're going to look at the next scenario. The idea of being not just a good worker, a good sower and reaper, but also being a good neighbour, a neighbour like Jesus. So let's just look a little bit further down, verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Did you notice that Jesus asked him what he thought? So this man answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And of course, he quoted the Old Testament. He, he was quite true. Uh, and then he went on to say, Jesus went on to say, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Now, we know that that standard is so high. The reason Jesus had to go to the cross was because it's not possible for us to do that. It would be something we might aim towards, but it's not possible for that standard. But this is the answer that the man gave. And Jesus said, well, you just do that then. But the man, it says, verse 29, but this man wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now. I looked up the message translation and uh, where it says he was willing to, he was trying to justify himself, the message says he was looking for a loophole. There's a few of us look for loopholes to see if we can get out of doing things that we feel God is saying to us. Then Jesus answered and said, and he now starts to tell this story. Let me read the story to you. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite 
when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay him. So said Jesus, which of these three do you think was neighbour to him who fell among the thieves? I love, I love the fact that Jesus was a storyteller. There's, there's something about, about learning through a story that helps us to remember. Isn't God amazing? God made us and he knows how we learn and he knows how to get through to us. So he tells this amazing story. Now, we've been to Israel for the last three years and we're planning, as I've just said today, to go back in 2019, God willing. But you know, every year we go down this road to Jericho. So this is a very visual thing for us because you're on the bus and the bus starts going down. And you go through the Judean desert and it's real bandit country. I mean, it's just a perfect place for bandits to hide out. And this was the case in Jesus' day that uh, this is where the, the thieves all hid among these mountains, these, in the desert, in, in the mountains in, in the desert of Judea. So as you're going down, and very often, when, in fact, last year we discovered, we found uh, the wee song we used to sing, he poured in the oil and the wine. Anybody know that one? He poured in the oil and the wine. I love that. The kind that restoreth my soul. You think I could sing with you? <laughs> he found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho road. And he poured in the oil and the wine. And you see, I love that. So we found a kind of a modern day version of it. And we, we played it going down the, the road, down that Jericho road. And everybody in the bus was going, yes. We're going down this road. This is the story. This is the place, the backdrop to the story that Jesus was giving. And doesn't he paint the picture? This man is making a journey down this road. Thieves come and leave him for, did you notice? Half dead. And he's lying on the side of the road. And who was the first one who came along? He was the, the priest. Now the priest should have been the one that would have gone to help him because priests in those days, they were that was in the Levitical priesthood. And, and he should have been one who would have gone over. But, but for some reason, maybe he thought, I haven't enough time. Maybe he thought he would be defiled by touching this man, that he would be defiled in some way. But whatever, instead of going to help him, the man who should have helped him, what did he do? It says he passed by on the other side. Now, how often, how often do we have that attitude? See a bit of a problem? Maybe we'll just steer clear of that. I'm not saying you run into everything, but I do say we're open for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And there are times when the Holy Spirit very definitely leads us. And if something's right in front... In fact, the Bible says that, that for him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him that's sin. So the stuff that's under our nose, we need to respond to it. This man didn't respond. He went over to the other side. And then the next thing along comes a Levite... He would have been one within the priesthood who would have been kind of into like social work and stuff. He would have been another. He should have definitely gone over. But it says when he came, he looked and passed by on the other side as well. So he took a look at it and thought, not for me. And off he went. So neither of these two people who were involved in the religious Jewish system, who were trained and and filled with teaching about the law which was always to do good and always to help your brother or your sister in need neither of them responded so jesus is using this story to say well you know 
The men, the religious people should have done it, but they didn't do it. And then he, he, he tells a story about a Samaritan coming. Now, I'll tell you, this, this learned man, this kind of, um, he's described in the Bible as being like a lawyer, this, this, this expert in the law that was asking the question, who is my neighbor? I can tell you for sure that the minute Jesus mentioned a Samaritan coming along, he would have cringed. Because the Samaritans were like, they were like the Jews hated them. The Jews wouldn't, they, they actually, the Jews would have said that, that Samaritans were worse than dogs. I mean, they wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They hated them so much. The hatred that the Jews had for the Samaritans, and it was, a, it was actually a historical thing, I haven't time to explain, but it went right back to a time in history when there was intermarriage and stuff. And, and the hatred they had for each other. When Jesus said that a Samaritan came along, I can tell you this boy's hackles. Would have got up a Samaritan, and then Jesus says, "This it was this Samaritan that stopped and ministered to him, and actually poured in the oil and the wine, and not only that, but lifted him up and put him on his own donkey, his own beast, and took him. He walked and led the donkey with this man lying on the donkey, and brought him to." a safe place and in a place where he could stay and not only that but he paid enough money for him to stay there and to be safe and to heal and to recover and not only that but he said to him I'll tell you what when I come back again if there's anything more owing I'll square you up for that did this man go the second mile or what this is what God asks us to do but you know this is the most amazing picture of what Jesus has already done for us because you know what in sin we were all left for half dead. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were, we were actually dead in sin and in trespasses. We, listen, girls, we had no hope. But Jesus came to this world on a rescue mission to lift us up. He went to the cross to pay for our sins. He poured in the oil and the wine. He gave his own blood. The oil speaking of the Holy Spirit. The wine speaking of his own, that was the price of our redemption, was his body broken for our sins and his blood poured out to be the sacrifice for our sins. And you know what? He lifted us up off the road and he's taken us and he's carried us and he's looking at, he's actually given us his Holy Spirit until he comes back. We have everything we need, girls, everything we need to do what he's asking us to do. We don't need to be dependent on anybody. We've got Christ. We've got the Holy Spirit. We are, we are, we are vessels of honour to do honourable stuff for God. And he's saying, you've got it. I've given you all you need. And so he is, he is the one who has lifted us up. What a beautiful story. Can you just imagine this, this, this man of the of the law, this, how is he, how is he referred to as a certain lawyer or a man who was skilled in the Old Testament law. Can you imagine when he heard that story, I'd say that made an impression on him. I'd say he began, he went off thinking. And I, I'm, I'm thinking he was beginning to think differently about his own life and how he reacted to the need around him. And I want to ask you today, what do you think or who do you think is your neighbour? Because, you know, when somebody can read this and think, what a laugh. He didn't know who his neighbour was. His neighbour, your neighbour is not just the person that lives beside you. Your neighbour is anybody that you come in contact with, wherever you are. That's who Jesus sees as being your neighbour. 
And so we see that, that God calls us to, to have a heart for people the same as his heart. That we might not only be sowers and reapers, but that we might, that we might be good neighbours. That we might know how to show Christ to a lost world, to a dark world. I just had written in your notes, like this religious man, we too forget that Jesus wants us to be good neighbours, to show his love and mercy to a world in crisis, a world full of half-dead people. In fact, people who are fully dead spiritually, half-dead mentally and emotionally, but fully dead spiritually who need life and need to know what it is to experience God's love and God's healing in their lives. So finally, we're going to look at the third one, which is how God is calling us to be lovers of Jesus. And we're going to read on from verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered, or Jesus entered, a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to, to Martha, 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 you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Did you notice that that Mary was at his feet? It's very interesting that every time you see Mary, this is Mary of Bethany. I know there's different Marys in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. Uh, there's there's um, Mary Magdalene, who out of whom was cast seven demons. Uh, and then there's Mary of Bethany and some there's other ladies referred to and sometimes you get confused as to who they were but Mary of Bethany is the Mary the sister of Martha and every time you see this particular Mary you'll find her at the feet of Jesus and did you notice that Jesus arrived at this house and it was it said it was the home of Martha so um, Martha, I think I was listening to Jerry's recording of, of her speaking to you a few weeks ago and how she explained that Martha must have been the, the house owner. She probably was a widow and had, was, it would seem perhaps that her husband had died and she had the house because she was the householder and it seems that Lazarus and, Mar and Mary were just living with her. But according to this, this chapter in Luke, in Luke 10, it would seem that she was actually the owner of the house. And it says that Martha welcomed him in. You know, I love the fact that Martha had an open heart. Let's give Martha a bit of a, a, bit of a good bit of publicity here. She had an open heart. She welcomed him in. And uh, we're going to see at the end of this, it looks as though Mary's getting all the praise, but uh, we'll see in some of the other chapters and some of the other stories that actually Martha also did some pretty amazing things. So although she was busy, we're not putting her down at all because Martha was a great woman and she invited Jesus into her home. And Martha 
Martha invited him in, and if she hadn't invited him in, then Mary would never have met him. So let's look and give Martha a wee pat on the back. Let's not give her bad publicity. So uh, did you notice that this is Martha's house and that Jesus um, is obviously teaching? Remember that Jesus was a rabbi. These disciples, these 12 disciples were following him. That's what a, a, a rabbi means, a master, a Jewish master of the law and so a rabbi in jewish day in those days the jewish the jewish system was that the rabbi would have got a number of disciples who were going to be followers people who wanted to learn from him and they would have sat around him as he taught them and so he was actually teaching his disciples in the, in in martha's house and the disciples were listening to his teaching and they were being trained as disciples and as a rabbi teaches his disciples, Jesus is teaching. And here in the middle of it is stuck Mary. And you know, in that culture, that would not have been so acceptable because apart from the fact that Martha wanted, it to, wanted Mary to help her, there was also a big taboo about women learning as well. And, and women were not, uh, culturally it was men who became disciples, culturally it was men who would have been taught by the rabbi, and here's Mary stuck in the middle of it. That was the outrageous thing about it. You see, back in those days, culture said that women couldn't do certain things. But you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ breaks through all of that. Because in the kingdom there's neither male nor female. And God's willing to teach a woman if she wants to learn. And she's stuck at his feet because she loves him, because she's been drawn by love and she wants to hear him and she wants to look into his face and she's seen a love in Christ that has absolutely captivated her and she has to hear more and she's at his feet. She's bowed down and she's at his feet and she's watching him and she's listening to him and she's gasping for every word. And Martha, bless her wee heart, on this particular occasion, she just kind of missed it. It's easy to be a good woman of God and open to God, but miss it when it comes to the intimacy and comes to that, that pertinent priority to looking into his face. One thing said Jesus. He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. But he said, Mary has chosen the best thing. What's the best thing? Looking into the face of Jesus. Hearing his word to your heart. Being in love with Jesus and wanting to spend time in his presence. That is the most important thing. And I just have to read you one verse out of, out of, uh, Luke, out of um, Psalm 27. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Because David, way back in the Old Testament, he discovered the same thing as Mary. He discovered there was just one thing that was important. And here's what he said it was in Psalm 27. David wrote, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness, and the delightful loveliness of the Lord, and to meditate consider and inquire in his temple. 
I'll tell you there's something about spending time with Jesus and just posturing yourself where you can look into his face. How do you look into his face? By knowing his word and by, 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 by looking at the truth of his word, by looking at his love, by looking at who he is. Face-to-face encounter means sitting still. I'll tell you, last year, and I've told you this before, last year when I fell and fractured my patella, and was not, I knew I was off my feet for at least 12 weeks. And I remember that night saying, Lord, please, don't let this time be wasted. Teach me something. Bring good out of this. And you know what God spoke to me about? He said to me, Maureen, ask me to take the hurry out of you. There's far too much hurry. I, I tell you, it keeps creeping up on me again. Every so often I'll remember that. I say, right, Lord, sorry, sorry. Right, get the hurry out. Get the hurry out. Let me just sit. Let me be like Mary. Let me sit and look into your face. Let me worship you. Let me let me just feel your presence. Because if we don't sit in his presence, we won't feel his presence. And we're running about thinking, oh, I don't feel God's presence anymore. When do we sit in his presence? We need to give him priority. We need to, we need to put him first, girls. We need to let him whisper into our hearts to build us up and to whisper words of love to us and to remind us that we are loved and that we are justified and that we are wise clean. It's so important to take time every day just to say, Lord, I'm, I just need... You know, you get up in the morning and I don't think any of us would be running out too, too quick if we hadn't had a shower or some kind of a wash at least. Would you agree with me? Like we kind of socially, like we're kind of pretty okay about that. We know we need to wash ourselves. But you know, spiritually, do we do it spiritually? We're running about, and sometimes we're, I was going to say we're stinking, but you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes, spiritually speaking, we have not taken time to wash ourselves. We need to stop in his presence, and you know, you know what? I would be afraid to get up here and speak if I didn't in that seat. Ask the Lord to wash me afresh. I need constant washing, and so do you. And I just say, Lord, please wash me clean. Thank you, Lord, that your blood cleanses me from all sin. I want to bring everything into the light. I want to repent of anything that's not right. And we talked about that in the prayer room. Lord, I want to, I want to just invite you now, wash me. And then I'll say, Lord, now, will you just put a fresh robe of righteousness on me? Just dress me. And then I'll say, Lord, and my, my mind goes all over the place. So would you just put that mitre on, that part of what the, what the priest, the high priest used to wear, that thing on his head. I'll say, Lord, just put, put that on my head. And then once I've prayed that, then I'll just say, now, Lord, would you just pour the anointing oil? Would you pour the anointing oil on so that I can speak for you? Girls, we need to do this every morning so that you can go out and everywhere you go that you'll be anointed to speak a word in season, to sow a seed that you're going to one day see a result from. You know what? There are opportunities all around us. Don't you dare say that you have no opportunities to talk for God. Don't you dare say you have no opportunities to sow seed. Yes, you have. Everywhere you go, into the butchers, round the corner, that woman that's coming in to have a cup of tea with you, we can be sowing seeds and sowing seeds every day, all day. 
we have opportunities to interact all the time and so often it's for people who don't know Jesus but you know what as well as that we can sow seeds into believers lives who are going through tough times and who need a word of encouragement and need to hear and be encouraged we can sow seeds that will bear fruit we have so many opportunities let us not waste these opportunities let us be women who are workers who are sowing and who are seeing God's kingdom come something to think about going out to sow and reap and to be good neighbours still depends on us loving Jesus and sitting at his feet let's get it the right way around sitting at his feet is the most important thing this morning as I was getting ready to come out I had a wee click, click, click on the phone and I noticed that a wee text had come through. Turned out to be a text from Christine Holmes. And she sent me a word, and I believe this is a word for all of us this morning, and I'm going to read it to you now. She said that she felt God had said to her that he was going to release courage to us this morning. And that the Holy Spirit was hovering over us even now. And like when the woman broke open the alabaster box, who I might say was the same woman that we've just spoken about, Mary. And when she anointed Jesus' feet, God says the perfume of love and joy and peace and healing will flow out this morning to us. The emphasis, Christine wrote, is on the words, broke open his word going forth this morning is breaking open that which has been contained in jesus name she said she was praying for a release of the perfume of christ's presence over all of us i'm trying to read my own writing and that that which has been contained in, the, in, in women's lives, in all of your lives, there's been stuff that's been contained. That the things that have been contained in your lives will be set free this morning. In other words, that there's stuff, and I believe this is a word from the Lord, that there's stuff in all of us that we have allowed to be contained. And you know what? We, oh, here's this good man. Here it is here. Thank you, Jane. Okay. The emphasis is on the words broke open. His word going forth this morning is breaking open that which has been contained. In Jesus' name, I pray a release of the perfume of his presence over you this minute. This minute, that's the word I couldn't make out. And that which has been contained in women's lives will be set free this morning. I am believing that God wants to set stuff free. We, the first song that we sung was about, about how so often we keep God in a box. Mentally, we have this box. What did Mary of Bethany do? She broke the box so that the perfume could come out. And I think there's something in a lot of our lives this morning that needs to be broken. And I don't know whether it's some kind of notion that you can't do anything i don't know whether it's some kind of lie that the enemy has put into your thinking and as to who you are that you're too broken or you're not you're not good at communicating or some lie that the enemy's put in and it's keeping you in a box and it's time to break the lie break the box 
and let what God wants to let out, let it come out there. Let's start to be women who carry the perfume and the aroma of his presence as we spend time in his presence. Let's go for it. Let's trust him with all of this stuff. Lord, I thank you that you, that you know everything about us. I thank you, Lord, that you know what the enemy has contained in each of us. How the enemy has boxed us in and does not want us to be broken. Wants us to keep that big, big facade over our faces. Wants us to keep uh, locked in and keep us, um, keep us chained to lies. Lord, the enemy does not want us to break free this morning. But Lord, I am speaking a word over this group of women that you want to see them set free, that you want to break the lies over them, that you want to break those things that would hinder them from fully expressing who they are in Christ and, and fully living for your glory. Lord, I pray for a release and I pray, oh God, that you would do something beautiful and wonderful and real in all our hearts this morning as we allow your word to break us and as we, as we just recommit ourselves and rededicate ourselves to you this morning. Lord, may we become women who are like Mary, who get to your feet and to look into your face and who allow you to wash us and cleanse us on a regular basis that we are clean and carrying your perfume. Lord, I thank you and praise you that all things are possible to her who believes. We praise you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song together and the song is about bowing down to Jesus and let us experience this even as we worship now together. You know, in the prayer room before we come in here, Phyllis really felt that we needed to actually physically bow down before the Lord and we got down on our knees in the prayer room and uh, I do think there's something in that we just want to bow down before our God and uh, I don't know if any of you saw it but when William went up to lift the flag um, he, he, uh, he saluted and I just felt you know there's something about that acknowledging he's our leader he's our king he's the head of the armies of heaven and we bow down before him, but you know what? Even greater than that, he's a lover of our soul. He's our beloved. And we bow down before him and we love him. But you know what's even greater than that? That he loves us. <laughs> that he is so committed to us. That he loves us with such a love. It's impossible to know the depth or the breadth or the height of the love of God for you. For you. And so we just want to praise him and worship him right now. Susan had a thought, she had a sense that there could be someone here who has a stomach ulcer who needs to be ministered to. And if that's the case, come up and we'll pray for you. And you know, if, if you've got something in your heart and you just feel like you need a bit of ministry, you know, there's a few of us around here, we just love to pray for you. Because I believe that God's presence is in this place today. And we bow down before the King of Kings. 
North Lodge. We acknowledge he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. He has plans and purposes for every single one of you. And it's not too hard for him to break through the rubbish and fulfil those plans. Go in peace. He died on the cross to purchase peace for you and joy all his love. Go and enjoy him and we'll see you back on the 10th of April. May God bless you. Amen.